Welcome to another episode of the SRUC podcast. My name is Alexa Green, and I'm a research associate at SRUC's Rural Policy Center. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about hemp, the super crop, its potential markets, and the legislative hurdles that need to be overcome to grow the crop in Scotland. Today, I'm joined by Professor Vijay Kumar Thakkar, who heads up SRUC's Biorefining and Advanced Materials Research Center. Mark Bauscher Gibbs, a principal consultant with SAC Consultancy, and Anna Mitchell of Castleton Farms. Anna and her husband Ross grow hemp and sell hemp based products like hemp seed oil from their farm shop on the outskirts of Lawrence Kirk in Aberdeenshire. Mark, if we could start with you, I wonder if you could begin by explaining to our listeners the benefits for Scottish farmers in growing hemp. Yeah, sure. I was just doing a bit of research on the crops that are grown in Scotland at the moment and, and looking back at the government statistics on cropping over the last couple of years. And we're just predominantly cereal heavy in Scotland. We've got about just over 500,000 hectares of what you might call arable crops, and that would include your cereals, your oilseed rate, potatoes, and, and veg. And at any one time, 84% of that is either barley, wheat, or oats. You know, we talk about cereals as being an exhaustive crop. They're not restorative in the same way that perhaps legumes are or other break crops. So th there is a real need to bring in another crop such as hemp. And Vijay, coming to you, it would be great if you could explain why hemp is such a useful crop. Actually, hemp is a unique multi-purpose crop. It has the vast potential to make agriculture and materials related sector carbon neutral and provide huge economic benefits to farmers, especially from rural areas across the world, including Scotland. Currently, it is being explored in building materials biofuel, textile, fabric, and even as a bioplastic materials as a potential substitute to traditional synthetic plastics. Anna, can you give us some insight into how the process of growing and producing products with hemp has been at Castleton Farm and share any challenges you've faced along the way? Well, it's been a learning curve. Um, this was a completely new crop for us and new products for us to make and sell. Uh, we've had a lot of help from two local rapeseed growers who then produced oil, so they've been very helpful. Uh, the main product that we produce currently is a culinary hemp oil, which we bottle and sell in our own farm shop uh, and at farmers markets. We are looking to make the oil into some other products, such as mayonnaise, pesto, salad dressings. So we're just kind of at the start of that journey. And Mark, Anna, can you tell us a bit about how you would harvest hemp? Yes, we use our combine harvester to harvest the crop. This is done normally in the end of September, beginning of October. The seeds go through the combine and then we mulch the straw, the fibre, uh, back into the ground. The seeds uh, are then cleaned, dressed and then go through the press which extracts the oil from the seeds. I've really been looking more at hemp as an industrial fibre crop. So here I'm really talking about if you're taking the crop to fibre stage rather than the seed. Uh, one of the attractions with hemp is that it really tends to go in perhaps after other spring crops. So probably sown around early May. It, of course, increases its biomass pretty quickly. And in come sort of August, September, you're then 
cut in the crop. And the one downside I think we have at the moment is that it's then left on the ground for a period of four to six weeks to ret. And what we're wanting to do in that retting period is for sort of the natural bioecology systems to start breaking down the crop such that when we come to decorticate it, we can separate out the pith from the fibre. So, Mark, you've used the term decorticate. Can you explain what that means? Yeah, so when we talk about decortication, the fibre that is used in the industries that uh, VJ is talking about is, is has to be extracted from the plant as a whole. So if you can imagine you've got a six-foot piece of hemp stem, there will be fibre in that and there will be a pithy centre to it, and that's often referred to as the shiv. Now, the reason why we decorticate is that we want to separate the, the fibre from, from the shiv. And the retting process we refer to is the period that we leave the crop on the ground after it's cut for that process to start happening biologically. So that when the hemp is then fed into a decortication machine, and it is a mechanical process, so it is actually stripping the plant apart and separating out in the same way that you would sieve out different components. It sieves out the pith um, and leaves you with the fiber. Uh, and then you've got the byproducts of the pith, for example, that might be used for animal bedding or briquettes. So th there are multiple uses other than obviously the fiber extracted. Anna? Um, as for other products that might be possible, that would be maybe more through using the straw, the fibers. However, at the moment, uh, there's no decortification plants anywhere near us. So that's a massive hurdle to allow us to be able to use that. But there's definitely an opportunity going forward to be able to make some products from the fibres. Awesome. And how accessible would you say these markets are to Scottish growers? Uh, there's only probably upwards of a thousand hectares grown nationally at the moment. There's plans afoot with the York University and Hemp 30 project to increase that a hundredfold over the next 10 years. So, you know, they're trying to get up to 30 thousand hectares. But I think the important thing from a farmer's point of view is to try and get into the added value side of the supply chain and, and actually having a barn full of uncorticated hemp obviously isn't optimizing on the value of a decorticated product. Uh, and I think where a lot of the work will go will be trying to increase these supply chains or improve the supply chain such that farmers can form cooperatives and perhaps decorticate the hemp and then sell the hemp into industry as a decorticated product. And I believe, Vijay, that you recently completed a University Innovation Fund research project looking at how we can build a network of growers and other stakeholders in Scotland to maximize the benefits of this crop. How did that go? We have been in communication with a few farmers and industries dealing with hemp. However, there are not majority of the farmers in this business at the moment. As you know, there are a lot of legislative issues. We are currently working with one of the IBIOIC funded project with industrial partner being IGS and Combound, where we are looking into the use of hemp for insulation application uh, to replace traditional stainless steel or another materials. We are trying to manufacture carbon neutral building and industrial material in this project. And these materials have the potential to replace aluminium, fiberglass, composites and other materials. That's great. Thanks for sharing more about that. 
Um, so a question for Mark, do you think that there's a specific role for hemp in the new agri-environmental schemes, which could form part of Scottish government's new agricultural bill? Potentially, yes. Um, it's often talked about hemp being used to reclaim perhaps unproductive ground. I think the way that hemp grows, not only is there a carbon story there, there's also an ability for the plant to sort of pull nutrients out of the soil to increase organic matter through the carbon it sequesters. So I think, you know, you, growing hemp means that you're putting on less pesticides, less fungicides, less herbicides. The microbiota have a chance to improve in the soil. And when you're doing your carbon audits, for example, then you've got a crop that actually has very low nitrogen requirement. And when you think that typically 70 to 80% of a farm's emissions arrive from imported artificial fertilizers, there should be an incentive there to bring it into a environmental scheme such that um, in the same way, perhaps that you have an overwinter stubble followed by green manures, you could have an overwinter stubble followed by hemp. Can you tell us about the legislative environment that hemp is in and the other incentives that you think policymakers could use to increase uptake from farmers? Well, at the moment, there is a home office licensing requirement. It comes under the uh, controlled drugs uh, licensing requirements and the timescales for licensing uh, that are in place at the moment slightly conflict with farmers' requirements to plant sort of late spring, early summer. Applications have to be made by February for approval to go forward to a, an application stage for a license, and those are usually considered through March and April. And there have been some instances whereby the license hasn't been issued in time for the crop to be planted. So I think in terms of talking with the Home Office, um, it would be good to try and bring that forward you know, to prior to Christmas so we can get these licensing certificates in place. Uh, it's, it's not overly cheap. It's about five £600 to apply for a three-year license. I, I, th I think in the future, hopefully, the Home Office will become slightly more lax in terms of where the crop needs to be sited at the moment. They're, they're saying it really needs to be away from public footpaths and, and sight lines from roads, etc. Uh, and that can be limiting for farmers. So I'm sure as uptake comes requested more, they'll take that into account that uh, farmers obviously haven't all got that luxury. Great. So one final question to all of you. You've clearly demonstrated the benefits of hemp, um, but what do you think the main barriers are from stopping farmers from growing it? And how do you think these could be overcome? Anna, maybe we can come to you. The legislation is complicated, so that's obviously a barrier um, to people starting to grow the crop. And then at the moment, there is definitely a bit of a niche market for the products that we're able to produce from it. So we need to, to get um, the products a bit more mainstream so that people can see that there is going to be a market for their crops. Um, there is a great potential for this crop in Scotland. It's got great health and environmental benefits. Um, and you know, we're just at the start of a very long journey to get a market established for these products. And, you know, any help that could be given to help us do that would be greatly appreciated. I would like to echo Anna that hemp has huge potential and it is a big challenge to find a good market for any of the product, including bio oil or as well bioplastic or other materials. So supply chain is a big challenge uh, because when we go for large scale production, we need to have a sufficient supply chain to convince industrial partner that we can address their needs. I think the main 
restrictions are related to legislative rules where farmers need a license to grow hemp. It's not so easy. So farmers need to go through a lot of bureaucratic things. Also, there is lack of awareness among people about the benefit of hemp except a medicinal one. Obviously, people know lots of benefits of hemp, but like Anna said, now they are exploring the use of hemp-based fibers for some other application. So hemp has like huge values. Currently, it's mainly being explored for CBD oil that we call cannabidiol oil derived from cannabis. And it is a natural remedy for many ailments. Uh, also, there are some issues related to supply chain, low profitability, and lack of technical assistance. Like Anna was mentioning, they don't have ex- uh, access how they can use process to uh, extract these fiber more efficiently. And then weather is also a challenge depending upon the location uh, of the farms. So these are few challenges. Uh, that need to be addressed. And I think one of the sort of slight warning flags is, okay, we know Scottish, Scotland's climate is a bit more closed window in terms of uh, we don't get the perhaps open autumns that they do in the south. And I would have thought there will be perhaps talks as to how we can uh, improve that or reduce that retting duration process in the field so we don't have such um, risk exposure. But then on the plus side, we are talking about using existing farm equipment. So um, you can simply just mow the crop, uh, leave it on the ground, you can rake it um, to dry it, you can windrow it, and then you can bale it with a conventional baler. So the farmer probably has most of this kit on farm already. There are modified mowers that will cut at two stage three heights um, so cut at meter intervals, people are using those sort of modifications to improve the retting process. But at the end of the day, you do have a, an end product which is baled much in the same way that you would bale hail straw. Um, and actually, you're talking about a fairly bulky products. And I know hay and straw might go from you know, the, the southeast of England across to the West Country for the livestock guys. But you have to take into account that, you know, transport costs. Uh, mean that really you want fairly localized infrastructure. And I think half of the battle on the new crop like this is actually finding out who's doing what out there already and networking. And, you know, it's important that we link up with people like VJ uh, and the Hemp 30 project. There will be a need to upscale on, on, on seed multiplication, on breeding, and, and that might mean hubs that supply into a local decortication plant in a cooperative style. Um, and so, you know, so I say to policymakers, look, we need money for innovators to grow these potential cooperative hubs. Uh, and we need people to take the lead and get local hectorage built up in the knowledge that there is a supply chain in place. That's great. Thank you so much for such an interesting discussion. It was really great to have you all on today. SRUC's Rural Policy Centre is a knowledge hub for rural Scotland, and we engage and collaborate with researchers, businesses, and communities to share the latest knowledge with policymakers in Scotland. To find out more about our work, please visit us at www.sruc.ac.uk forward slash Rural Policy Centre, or visit the link in the show notes. Thanks for listening.